Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paige, today we are going to be answering a question that I have now been asked multiple times in the same week. People are saying, <laughs> Nicolene, what are your movie recommendations, your book recommendations, your game recommendations? Ooh. And after hearing it two times in one week and knowing I've been asked this question many other times before, I thought, you know what? It's time. Let's just do a podcast about that. Let's talk about some of these movies. And I have to apologize because I think when I answered the question um, to one person, I mentioned a few things and then later went, wait a minute, we saw those in a clean version. So I shouldn't have mentioned that one movie, but anyway, such as it is, but, but we have made like the list and we've got the little disclaimers for different things. But if you want to know what kinds of pickiness I have had with movies and books and games and stuff, this is your chance. But before we do that, as is tradition here on the Teaching Self-Government podcast, we have a fun family activity for you, and it is going to kind of match, match what we're talking about today. Paige, what is our fun family activity? Our fun family activity is to read the book Teddy's Button together as a family. Yes. Reading out loud is such a fun activity. I love it when Joseph reads out loud to me and Clara. It, it's just It's one of my favorite family experiences. Mm -hmm. It's bonding. It's soothing. There's things you can discuss together. It gives you a shared experience. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Totally sure. beautiful. And Teddy's button is one of our family's favorite books. We love that. It's just such a, it's a heart warming, you know, real look into self-government. So we're recommending it because it's a great self government book. Now we're <laughs> going to be looking through this topic of movies, books, and game recommendations through the lens of self-government, just like we do through everything. So Paige, what does self-government mean? What is the definition? So our definition of self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yes. So what that means is that a person determines who they ought to be, not just who they want to be, but who they ought to become, what, what version of themselves they really ought to focus on becoming. And then they make a plan for that. They go in that direction. And if they see that they are going off course in any way, then they course correct and they get back on the track, or they maybe even determine a new path if the original path didn't seem like it was working out the best that they could. So this means if we are going to look at books, movies, and games through the lens of self-government, then this means that we're going to deliberately choose what books, games, and movies we're going to watch. We're going to look at criteria. We're going to actually have a standard for these things. We're not going to just willy-nilly watch anything and everything that's out there. We're going to actually hold ourselves accountable because we want to determine certain outcomes for ourselves. We're worried about what we're going to process because of who we ought to become. And so we want to make sure that our children and that you know, for ourselves that we actually are processing types of things that would be useful and productive for us in our relationships and in our lives. A self-governed person chooses 
to want what they ought in order to become the best versions of themselves. That is what it really means to have a changed heart, a heart that is truly focused on self-government. So Paige, when it comes to books and media and games, there are so many mediocre and even destructive options that people you say have. that like you're surprised or that it's a big secret. It's not. <laughs> uh, well, I know, but it, it just really, I think I'm not saying it like I'm surprised because I'm, I'm not surprised. I've seen a you lot very of informed. stuff. Yes. Yes. And I have actually seen over the course of my lifetime movements in games, movements in, you know, video games, as well as board games, card games, imaginative games. I, I have seen transitions. Yeah. I oh, have we should s- preface though. We're not giving any recommendations for video games. We're not because that's <laughs> not our forte. And no, <laughs> because we really just didn't put a lot of emphasis in that in our home. So anyway, that's true. That's a good thing to bring up anyway. And we, and there's no way we're going to be able to tell everything. Anyhow. No exhaustive list is pretty much near impossible, especially in our family. It is because there's so many things that we read, watch and play. However, we have a pretty huge list that said we have a pretty (laughs) huge list. So I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find something that you maybe haven't heard of before. And hopefully that will be exciting to you. So what I'm when I'm sounding surprised, when I say destructive, it's because I think there's a lot of people who think, well, really our games could games be destructive, you know, or could books be destructive? I mean, so as long as they're reading, I remember. So when we did foster care, cause for years I did treatment, foster care, there was a girl that came to my home and she brought all of these books. And, um, there were two different types of books that she had. One was called goosebumps and one was called animorphs. Okay. Oh. These were two different types of books that she had. And both of them kind of kind of scary horror-ish type books. Okay. Anyway. And she was paranoid all the time, all the time. And she had been reading these books and her mother sent her with these books. And I asked the mom, I said, why are you having her read these books? And she said, well, at least she's reading. That's what she likes. At least she's reading. And so, see, I think that some people think that, that reading trumps actually what you read. And, and that's not true. I would almost rather my, have my child not read than read the, the wrong thing that could actually be morally destructive to them or mm-hmm. make them paranoid all the time or something. So anyway, this child was paranoid. She came to our house and we have a family standard and our family standard talks about media and such. And so we told her, Hey, these books don't fit in to what our family standard is. So we'll stick them in a box for you and we'll hold on to them. And then when you leave the house, you can take them with you when you're, when you're done with this placement. And she was like, okay. And in a short time, she stopped having the nightmares. She stopped being as afraid and paranoid all the time. It was really interesting to see. And then she came to me and she's like, Nicolene, I think those books were getting in my head. She's like, can I burn them? Can we have a burn, a book burning? And I said, sure, I guess, you know, I mean, ask your mom, she bought them, but if she doesn't care, then yeah, I would say let's burn them. And she was so excited 
to go to grandma's fire pit and burn the books. So that's what we did. So we did, we have had a media standard and a book standard, a language standard. As long as I can remember. Yeah. We have something called a family standard and we actually made it page when you were one year old. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it has been for as long as you could probably remember. And there's more details on family standard in your book, Parenting and House United. Yeah, they can find the information there. That's so true. So um, early on, I determined that our family simply didn't have time for twaddle. And twaddle is a word that is actually a word from Charlotte Mason. She's um, an old time educational genius. And she talked about different books and some books are considered to be twaddle. So Paige, how would you describe a twaddle book? Twaddle is basically a book that is fluff. It doesn't teach you any life lessons. Um, It's just kind of there. It's, it doesn't hold any value in the long run. And, you know, that's that's not to say that some books that are purely for entertainment, you know, can't be worthwhile every now and then, but it's, it's important that we're filling our, our brains and our time with books that teach us valuable lessons, things like, you know, Aesop's fables, they teach us valuable lessons or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So twaddle is just fluff that fills space. Yeah. So a book that's truly a classic and, and it, a classic doesn't have to be something that's old, 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 old. Cause you could right. find a new book. That's a classic, but this book is something that you're going to learn something again and again, it's going to be new lessons every time because the story is developed in such a way that it is teaching principles to you no matter what. So, you know, I think of like the book, the Virginian by Owen Wister, that is, you know, usually thought of as kind of like the first great Western. And I mean, it's an old book, but what an incredible book that it was based off true places and, and, you know, kind of some characters that were probably partially true, but here we see them have to chase down cattle thieves. Um, they even have to hang cattle thieves. We see courtship and marriage, and we see a little bit of practical joking. We see when it's appropriate, when it's not. We see personalities. We see people who know how to communicate with each other, people who know how to be strong and be calm all at the same time, which is an amazing thing because a lot of people think that strength and anger have to go together, but really calmness is the real sign of a person who is really strong. And the Virginian, he encompasses all of these qualities anyway. And he, you see him solve problems and you see how people's brains work and you see how the animals play into everything. And there's just so much there. And there's so many principles and life lessons. Like there's the little one-liners, but then there's just like how he solves a problem that you think, whoa, that was genius or, you know, that kind of thing. So that's when, you know, you've hit a classic. I could read the Virginian again and again. I could read it monthly and never tire of the lessons that I learned in it. And I would become a better person because I read that book. And so that's how you know that that book is a classic versus twaddle. There is just so much twaddle. 
just it's just a yarn that spun a little creative bit of writing you know or even some biographies that are like "Eh, you didn't give me anything you know and those are all what I would consider to be twaddle. And of course, tons of TV shows and movies and stuff would be classified as twaddle too. And sure, like you said, Paige, sometimes, you know, you might indulge in a little bit of that. But one thing that I always told you guys was, um, let's just do a couple of those things a year. Let's not put all of our time there because there's so many classics. There's so many incredible things that we could grow from, learn from, really get empowered from. Why yeah, would and that we was waste a, our time on twaddle? That was a lot of time in our like love of learning phase. So as we got to be like 10 and 11 years old, you know, like, okay, let's really focus on some things that are going to give you what you need for these next few years. So, cause like when you're young, I mean, yes, you want to read things that have, you know, values and lessons, but you know, to help with creativity, sometimes it's fun to have a little more twaddle, but you know, once, once you get into real love of learning phase, uh, you know, once you're out of core phase, if you're familiar with the different phases, and especially scholar, scholar phase. So you've got core phase, love of learning, and then scholar, but that love of learning and scholar phase is where you really want to dig into the good stuff. Yeah, I will say, um, and I don't know if you thought things like Peter Rabbit and the three little pigs were twaddle, but those were all classics, mm-hmm. lots of lessons learned there. So I wouldn't consider those, t- those to be twaddle. Those have a lot of great lessons. I mean, you learn some similar lessons from the three little pigs as you learn from like Bible stories, actually, um, you learn decision-making, you learn about laziness and how it doesn't pay off and how there are you know, forces that want to take advantage of you, maybe even eat you up in that case, you know, but, um, (laughs) but you learn a lot of things about family and about family protecting each other and taking care of each other. And you learn about, um, life mission and your pursuits and how to go about it. So there's a lot of lessons there that can be likened to regular life. And that's just the three little pigs. So don't mistake that for, for twaddle, because it's actually in my mind, definitely a classic. So, um, the, the stories may be simpler, but you always want to have your child developing a taste for the good stuff. And so we didn't spend a lot of time on twaddle when you guys were little. I mean, we did watch Winnie the Pooh kind of a bit when you were little, (laughs) But even reading Winnie the Pooh, and I don't think that one made it on my list that I'm going to talk about, but Winnie the Pooh and uh, Pooh Corner or whatever, like actually reading those books by A.A. Milne, they have a lot of great lessons in them. And, and Disney even brought out some lessons too. So I felt like even though it's just this little cartoon that seems a little fluffy, actually there are some really good lessons in there. If you really put your own thinking cap on, you can find them, right? Anyway, so, um, all right, we're going to talk about our media choices. And the media choices do need to match the developmental levels page like you were talking about. And since we homeschooled as a family, I was acutely aware of developmental needs and developmental levels that a person would be in. And you mentioned some of the names for those levels, which were core phase, love of learning phase and scholar phase, which were levels that happened in our home and core phases like that zero to eight age. And then love of learning is like eight to 12. And then scholar phase is 12 to 18. And then after that comes death, depth, sorry, depth phase, (laughs) mission phase, and 
impact phase. So, and those usually happen when the child is out of your home and they've moved on into adulthood. So anyway, um, it really doesn't matter for us if the movie or book is ultra popular. So long as it has substance and leads to real learning, because it's really the learning that's actually more stimulating than fitting in with everybody else. When a child is with a friend and a friend is bringing up a certain thing like, oh, Harry Potter or something, the child may be thinking, oh, I really, I haven't read that. Uh, I'm not fitting (laughs) in. I should, I should read that because everybody knows it or whatever. But when it comes right down to it, when they're reading Harry Potter, versus reading Jane Eyre. There's just so much more in Jane Eyre than Harry yeah. Potter. And there's fun just fact, I'm 24 years old and I still haven't read a single Harry Potter book. Yeah, I read one and Quinn read, read one because we, we thought we'd do our due diligence. <laughs> and and I know this could make people hate me. Okay, I, I realize that. But just because a book is a fad does not mean I'm going to read it. So I read the first Harry Potter book and I was like, eh, you know, it's just kind of like, there's not a lot there as far as real life lessons and stuff. And I just wasn't impressed with it. I didn't feel like it was worth our time. So we didn't do a lot with it. Now we did once everybody was older, you guys saw a number of those movies you know, which is a a different thing, but that's, um, you guys were like all older. I think most of you were adults when you saw a movie Mm -hmm. or two of those, you know, so, you know, I mean, it just wasn't something that we really, really got into. So I was not, you know, into fads and that kind of thing. We didn't get into twilight either. No, no way. That I I stay away from darkness when at all possible. Just thought I'd throw that one in there. Yeah, when all possible. Yeah. And and um you guys did not read the Hunger Game books either. I actually did read the Hunger Game books to try them to see. Um and in the end, I was like, eh, it's not, there's nothing classic here. This is again, twaddle and there's a ton of bloodlust in it too. And so, and bloodlust and sexual lust are actually very linked together. I mean, this is why people rape and then kill people, you know, because of that. Anyway, I probably shouldn't have said that. Probably shouldn't have said that with people with, uh, you know, people that could be listening with their children. So anyway, sorry about that. Um, so All right. So let's talk about our list of things, because this is going to be fun. There's no way to give an exhaustive list of everything, as we've mentioned, but we're going to give you some of our favorites and some of the reasons why there's the favorites. And we are going to include a list, a PDF on our website. So I don't know where you're listening to this podcast at, but on our website, teachingselfgovernment.com, there will be a PDF list there of the things that we mentioned on here and probably more because we probably won't get a chance to list all of the things that we could list. And again, even what is on the list is not exhaustive. So, yeah, um, and you can, you can find the podcast on the website um, under the tabs up top. Yeah. So my goal with this is to give you reasons why we've picked certain books on the list or certain movies or certain games so that you can make similar choices for your family in the future. Because 
you'll never find a list that just keeps going forever and ever. And is totally accurate for you. Even though I'm giving the list, I hope you'll scrutinize it. Mm -hmm. I am definitely a scrutinizer. In fact, I preview books, you know, I look through them first. I, I, I ruin the ending for myself and other people (laughs) I scan through. Um, I preview movies, even if they're G G rated, even if they're PG rated, I scan, I preview, preview them before children see them. And sometimes even some great recommendations that I thought would be from great people did not work for me. And so I'm just going to say that, you know what, if I recommend something that you preview and you're like, ah, no, I am not offended because we all know what our family needs. And I think that's the beautiful thing is that we have to decide what our family needs. It's up to us to be the discerning person to make those decisions for the family. The children are not going to be very discerning. They learn (laughs) the discernment from us. So we have to do it. We are the sentinels that stand guard over the children so that they can develop properly. So um, hopefully uh, me listing some of these reasons or some of these things that I use for discernment um, will help you. Okay. So these are some of the things that we look for in books, movies, and games. So number one, like I was mentioning classics, we like classic elements in a book. So so you have to tell people what makes a classic because you say that, but then, you know, sometimes a lot of people don't know what that means. Yeah. Some people think if it's just old, it's a classic, like Like some people, yeah. Some people think like the grapes of wrath is a classic. No. I would not consider that a classic at all. I would consider that a depressing sleeper (laughs) and you don't learn very much in it. It's just kind of just heavy and pointless. Uh, And so, I mean, if you want to learn about the Dust Bowl and the Great Depression a little bit, then I guess you could get some historical context out of it. But anyway, so, so there are some books that are on classic lists that I would not consider to be a classic. So for me, and this is something I decided as a homeschool mom, I decided, okay, what is a classic? Really a classic is a book I can read again and again, and I can become a better person because of it. I want to become a better version of myself, myself because of that book. It also is going to bring in maybe some historical elements, some relevant elements that I need for, to hook dots together in my head. So that's going to hopefully be helpful too. Um, hopefully it's going to be well-written and it's going to be principled. So there's going to have, there's going to have some principles in there so that a person, you know, is going to find those truths that they're looking for, even if it's story, you know, or biography or whatever it is, or self-help, it's going to have principles in there somehow. So there are different types of books. There's whole books. And this is where the hero, the good guy is good. And the bad guy is bad. And the good guy wins. Then there's broken books. That's where the good guy is good. The bad guy is bad. And the bad guy wins. Now that can happen in real life sometimes. So I'm okay with a few broken books here and there, but you'll notice from our list, I think I haven't listed any broken books. So, because there's just, re- it's really hard to actually find one that's decent that matches all the other criteria. Well, it's hard to learn proper right and wrong, good and bad, and true and false from broken books. Well, broken is better than bent. Bents are really bad one. Bents are really bad one. So whole is okay. Broken's okay because the good guy is still good and the bad guy is still bad. And then we see, well, sometimes the bad guy wins. I mean, that happens in real life sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know? And then there's healing books. So healing books are 
where you read and it, it heals you. It's like when I read C.S. Lewis's philosophy books, I just feel healed, right? When I read the Bible, I feel healed. Like there's certain books. Well, just because it's filled with like principles of truth. Oh yeah. It's just so full of truth and it's so applicable, but, and there's, there are many books that are like that, that you could actually feel healed from Mm -hmm. a certain story that might heal you. In fact, some of my books I hope are healing for people. You know, the ones that I've written, even though they're self-help, I hope that they heal the family. Many people go back to my book, Parenting a House United again and again and again and again, because they're using it for healing for their family, which is great. And then there's the bent books. And these are the, these are the ones you want to stay away from. This is where the good guy is bad and the bad guy is good. And the good guy who's bad wins. Hmm. It's all very questionable. It's very interesting. So this, this would be a thing where you have a book that is like, um, you're rooting for bank robbers. Okay. It's like, or a movie like, like oceans 11. That was a movie where there were people robbing a bank and you're actually sitting there in the movie rooting for them. You're like, go rob the bank. Yay. I hope they get away with it. And at the end, you're like, was I really doing that? Like, how did that happen? You know? So anyway, that's bent. Okay. Or when you portray a certain, you know, religion or something as ultra satanic, you know, all of a sudden you're taking one thing that is not and turning it into something else. So there's a lot of material out there that is bent because it has misinformation or whatever in it. And obviously I stay right away from that kind of stuff. I'm not going to spend my time reading things that are just contrary, but are also full of non-factual stuff and yeah, not doing it. Okay. So what else Paige? What other things do we need to have as criteria for the types of books, movies, and games that we're looking at? Well, I know one thing you were very adamant about is that whatever is mentioned in whatever entertainment we consume it had to match the standards of our family and the, especially the moral standards, because we have a very high moral standard. And so if things did not match that, then we either watched it, you know, a clean version of that movie, or, um, you know, maybe you skip certain things in a book or we just didn't watch or read it at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is so true because and, and I have to say, it's probably becoming harder and harder to find moral matches in a lot of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is not That's why doing you have to job. go back to the oldie goodies. Yeah, you really do. And there are a lot of, I mean, where I go back to Cary Grant, I guess, you know, go back <laughs> to some of the old stuff, the, uh, go back to the, what is that? The Opie, what is the Annie Griffith show, right? <laughs> stuff like that. Go back there where there's real morals that are presented. There used to be a standard for entertainment and it has only been in recent years that it has changed. Mm -hmm. And so before that, there was this family standard that was over the majority of entertainment. And you had to declare if you were not going to be keeping that family standard. And that's why there was a rating system that was put in Mm -hmm. place. But otherwise everything was supposed to keep this family standard. Well, we are now at a 
a stage where people are very anti the ratings anyway, and they're yeah, super it loose. Really matter anymore. Yeah. So it doesn't matter the rating. You gotta, you gotta scrutinize it anyhow. Um, here's a few other things we wanted the entertainment, whether it was books, movies, games, otherwise to have a positive attitude. So there's a positive outcome. The last thing you want to do is be teaching your children not to have an attitude problem and then show them a whole bunch of people having attitude problems. I, and I that those people you- are the hero that's bent. Yeah, I remember you shut off a a kid's cartoon, actually, because all the characters had attitude problems. Oh, terrible. There was a lot of bathroom humor, but it was bad attitude. I remember it was something with a zebra in it. It was Madagascar. Okay, yeah. I was like, nope, this isn't happening. (laughs) I didn't preview it first. And someone's like, oh, yeah, it's really cute. We start watching it. I'm like, oh, we are done. You know, I'm like, oh, this is not good. And there's just so much stuff that's coming out. I mean, you cannot trust Disney. Like, no way. There's just so many things. It used to be that people used to be able to trust Disney and a lot of the old, old Disney stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um, You know, but um, a lot of the new stuff is just really attitude bad and it's starting to push all the values out and everything so anyway another thing is principles we want to have principles that we can learn from that's super important i mean i could talk about each of these at length but i want to get to my list but this one's important it's really important <laughs> like if there aren't principles in there why in the world am i even spending my time on it in the first place. So hopefully there's something where there's principal content. I think I already mentioned that we want it to be historical or relevant in some way to my life. There's got to be something that I can apply to my life and become a better version of myself. If not, what's the point? Because otherwise it's just kind of like dead. You know, if I can't apply the lessons that are in it, it's too antiquated then in some way. The movies or books or whatever we're choosing need to promote family connection, not family disconnection. So I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of TV programming and movies and such, and even books, they promote family disconnection. Like I'm Mm -hmm. remembering books, even from my childhood. Um, Like I remember a book series called Ramona, the pest. And it was like, and she hates her brother and, oh, and he bugs me, blah, 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 you know? And, um, and these, you know, things that are just promoting, not being a good family member to other people, promoting being selfish, which is not a good thing. So we don't want to be promoting selfishness as a virtue or a solution to a problem. And there are a lot of things that are promoting that nowadays, um, we want to make sure the stuff is not crass. So it's got to be appropriate, you know, yeah. as far as just general refinement, you know, just the, the basics of refinement <laughs> we want. Um, obviously, we don't want swear words. If there are swear words, we need to understand why and what to do with them. And and maybe there's like minimal swear words, but yeah, we really rather have There's none. a movie or two that um, that we really enjoy and that are really good and, you know, knowledgeable and informational that have swearing in them. All right. Just say it's 1776. Yep. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) You call it gentleman swearing. Yeah. We call it gentleman swearing to, to minimize it a little bit, you know? Um, but they do, I mean, they're not saying they're really bad, you know, the story of the founding fathers. It, yeah, it is the story of the writing of the Declaration of Independence. And that is an incredible 
play. It's a play, actually. And I love a lot of plays, a lot of modern plays, not so much. I have to admit, <laughs> I don't like Hamilton. That could also make people not like me, but I was raised in theater. Oh, yeah, I don't like that one either. Musical theater. And my dad was a play director and I just have such a high standard. I can't do it anyway. And so, <laughs> um, but I, but a lot of the old stuff I really do like, and, and I do like 1776 for the family. And so we waited until people were old enough, but I remember watching it one time with my sister in line, like, you've never seen this. And she's got her children there all gathered around. And all of a sudden, all the gentleman swearing starts happening. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, sorry. Dear. And I, I felt <laughs> really embarrassed. I was like, ah, so I'm like, I will never forget again that this show has that in it. So she yeah, could probably get some pure flicks or clean Netflix version of it or something. I don't know because, you know, there are those little services where you can clean things up and we've done that sometimes too. Anyway, we don't want graphic content that's too dizzying or stimulating for the brain. That's important. They've actually done a lot of studies now on the brain and they know that if your eyes have to track too fast, it actually is really bad for your um, brain function and, and your processing. And so little children, especially being exposed to really, um, graphic or ultra stimulating, think video game type stuff. Um, it's not good for their eyes and for their heads and their processing. So I don't like that. It's also very addictive and obviously sexual content. We don't want like a ton of that. Right. Um, if there is some sexual content, like a kiss or a marriage or, you know, or something like that, we want it to promote family and healthy relationships, not the opposite. Right. So we don't want joking about body parts or people showing stuff in the ways that they shouldn't, you know, that kind of thing, especially when they were little, I was really, really particular about that when you guys got a little bit older and you're, you're in your late teens, well, okay. If we see something that's got, you know, a bunch of cleavage in it or whatever, I'm probably not going to be as stressed over it because we're going to discuss it too. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we always did is we discussed everything. And if something came up that I did not agree with, I pointed it out right then, Mm -hmm. right then. So there was no question because whatever you will sit through, or read out to other people, you show your endorsement of it. And so if there was ever a part of it that I did not agree with, or that I felt like a lesson need to be learned about it, I pointed it out right then. And maybe sometimes people would think that's a little bit much, you know, but I just, maybe not much. We just thought it was annoying. (laughs) A little, you're like, mom, we know. I'm like, I know, but I have to tell you, especially for the little ones, right? They needed the lessons, even Mm -hmm. though the older ones already knew. Like, we got it. We got it. (laughs) Yes. And I think I already talked about, we don't just follow a fad and then, and then we do pay attention to ratings, but they don't always help us. So let's, let's talk about some of these things. Let's talk about books and stuff. And this is what I think we're going to do. So we have just given the whole criteria of what I recommend. I am going to give a couple of things out of books, movies, and out of games. And then what we're going to do is we're actually going to make a podcast for each one of these categories and you will be able to get the full enchilada on each one of these categories. Okay. So that's what we're going to do because there's just so much to this and it's we hard to make pick sure. and choose. It really is. It's so hard. Okay. So here are some things we're going to tell you some ages. We're going to start with a few books. Okay. And so we'll pick a couple of things. 
Teddy's Button, we already talked about. It is awesome by Amy Lefevre. I don't even know how to say that. She's French. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyway, but Teddy's Button, you should be able to find this just on a Gutenberg Press free. You can get it from Lamplighter. What a great book. I'm talking. I love that book. And there's another book too. Um, and that would be for like ages, probably six plus that you would read that to them and discuss. There's another book from Lamplighter called Hedge of Thorns, which I really love. Fantastic book, which is so great. Um, there's another series of books. And, and by the way, Hedge of Thorns is probably eight plus. It's got a little bit of graphic in it. There's an accident that happens. Um, and so that's, you know, can be maybe traumatizing for a six-year-old. I don't know. So probably ought to go eight plus there. Um, so then one of our favorite books for eight plus ages, eight plus definitely hitting when you hit 12 plus for sure. The little britches series by Ralph Moody. So good. Um, we read the first three books. I think there's like seven, honestly, I haven't read yeah. them all, but I say that's the like, first three. it's like the little house on the prairie, but for boys, honestly, yeah, honestly it's for of. everyone, but like little house on the prairie for boys. Yeah, well, there's Mary Emma and Company, which has a lot more to do with the girls. But I mean, it is, again, like the Laura Ingalls book, it's true stories. Mm-hmm. They're true stories from this family's life, settling the frontier. It was a little after the Laura Ingalls time. So there was a little bit more going on. The railroad was in, but it was hard times, really hard times. And you see him learn how to tame horses and all kinds of stuff. It's really amazing lessons that you learn there. Um so I think we also have to bring up the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom. Oh, That's so good. for ages 12 and older. Oh, what a gem. That is probably one of our favorite books. I don't even know how many times. Well, it's, and it's her personal that. story too. So a lot of these true stories, but she tells it in such a way. It's just mm-hmm. so engaging. And yeah. you're like, okay, what, what happens next? So, you know, she's, she's in the concentration camp. Now what, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And if you want fantasy, I know some people really want fantasy, but if you want fantasy that teaches moral lessons and character lessons, great little series. This one actually is a recent one that has come out, but written in a very principled way by Travis Pond. And it's called the Thaven Chronicles. There's a three books that are part of that. The third book is a little bit, a little bit more for older. I'm going to call this one a 12 plus anyway. Um, Your eight-year-old might be able to start with the first one, which is called the Oracle sphere. Anyway, um, some great stuff there. So let's talk about a couple of things for the, the really little ones. I'm going to give you a couple of just beauties. There is one called the little house. That was one of our favorites. I love the little house, the little house by Virginia Lee Burton. This is a great one for ages zero to eight. I mean, I could just read it again and again, this little house, you see what happens with expansion and the city cities growing up around this little house and how times change. And you get this appreciation for the story of a house, the story of the people coming in and out of the house and um just really interesting and then another really beautiful one and i think you already mentioned it and i I think this is a must read for everyone ages zero to eight and that's aesop's fables Mm -hmm. because those are just like simple stories that teach simple life lessons simple truths. yeah yeah totally oh there are so many i'm i'm just telling you 
we are going to talk about these books. We're going to do a whole, a whole podcast just on books, which is going to be amazing. Um, but that's all you get right now on books. So let's move on <laughs> to games. Okay. We're oh, going to move so on many to good games. games. So many good games. So games Paige, what are some of your favorites? Oh goodness. I mean, as a family, we love pretty much any game by grandpa Beck. Those are our favorites. So, but some, some of the, the favorite favorites of grandpa Beck are cover your assets, skull King and gnoming around. Mm -hmm. We play those pretty much every time we all get together as a family. We can't even stop. I I mean, we're like, and my husband is like, uh, go grab, go grab the grandpa Beck. CYA is cover your assets. My husband's like, let's play CYA. Uh, like we don't even say the whole word it's like got an acronym in family but we play it we love cover your assets it's it's a game that changes all the time just mm-hmm. like another game that's our favorite which we we call stupid we were learned or when we learned it that's what they named it was stupid i well, think there are other... i know it's like a quote unquote eh, name but it's because yeah, i don't it like the stupid word. at the end <laughs> it all you changes. play and play and play and then you're like hold on a minute. I was winning. I am now losing. What is going on? And so you just have to adapt. Like you just, it's an adapting game. It's a great game to learn how to accept no answers. (laughs) So true. So true. Okay. So here's a good one. This was, this is a really new game that's just been out in recent years, but we really like it. It's called taco cat, goat cheese pizza. If you haven't played taco cat, goat cheese pizza, get ready for some rip roar and fun. I mean, that's right up there with the throw, throw burrito, you know, like, but it is, it, it is if your so- hand doesn't like slapjack this is not the game for you that's true <laughs> if you don't want to brain yourself by trying to turn your head into a narwhal in the middle of the game then this is not the game for you no that it is such a crazy safety game. warning remove all rings before playing yes watches jewelry gone they must be gone <laughs> yes okay for sure super fun super super fun love that um set i don't know if people played set but there's set dice and then there's the set cards which is the more historical set mm-hmm. and game. that one and makes your brain you work oh that makes your brain work and you look for patterns but it's so fun patterns shapes find and those colors. patterns yeah and and london must have played that i don't even know like non-stop or something when she was young because <laughs> man can that girl find patterns and so she is good at rummy cube or rummy cub or however you say it we call it rummy cube but she is like the speedy fat pattern finder any speed games she's she pretty much wins every time just does it's just what it It is here's another here's another new one for you and then we're gonna probably move on even though we could talk about tons of games like so many um but sleeping queens sleeping queens is a fun game this is a new one and that's a that's a game that it's relatively it's new. It's been around for a while, but well, okay. It's new to me. I just got it for <laughs> new to you. Yeah. And we like it, but we have a lot of other games that don't involve buying anything. And we're going to share those games with you when we do the podcast, just about games. Okay. So now movies, here we go. Pick, pick. How can you even pick? Our list of movies is so long, um, and it's not even all the movies. But what is a what is a movie that you feel like really sticks out to you? 
I really love Hidden Figures. That is one that came out within the last few years. And um, it's not a cartoon. It's a live action. And I think we'd have to go probably like what? At least 10 years old on that one. Probably yeah, 12 plus. Because um, it addresses um, the topic of segregation. It happens during that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a story. But that's great. It's a I great know. It's, it's yeah. good to talk about it. And in fact, there's quite a few movies on our list that happened during the time of segregation and they're all very inspirational movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hidden Figures, if you haven't seen it, it's about these three women uh, who work at the NASA space station and their computers. So this is before the time of, you know, digital, you know, technological, technological computers. So they did the math on their heads and they had to do it on demand. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but it's about this one woman in particular who gets called up to like the main office to be uh, one of the new computers. And um, she's amazing. And she just blows everyone's mind um, because she's just such, such a gifted person anyway, but it's, it's a really, really cool story. Yeah. I love that story. Um, there are, there are a few things like preview it for sure. Remember we said preview everything. So <laughs> preview it for sure there with movies. I, I will have to admit something. And that is that I decided there were a couple of movies. I'm like, Ooh, there is enough value in this movie. There are enough principles or things to learn in this movie that I am willing to go okay, everybody, I'm skipping the scene and I will skip yeah. certain scenes or I'm so that we can a pillow see. to the screen. Yeah. Oh yeah. We did <laughs> when the TV was small enough that just a pillow would cover it and be like, well, hold on. I'll let you know. Just yep. that's probably about <laughs> long enough. Okay. There you go. And, or we would do the pure flicks or, or, you know, that kind Vid of angel a, or whatever. Vid, yeah. Because vid angel was one that we used. Yes. Where we would edit them out because you right? can choose it to edit words or scenes or yeah all kinds of stuff. angels a exactly good one. yes so good okay so here's an oldie big but a goodie and and i'm really emphasizing the old one <laughs> um parent trap with Haley mills yeah Love not with Lindsay trap. lohan not that one yeah i mean you know it it's okay but it's it's not as good as Haley mills and <laughs> I, I love the parent trap with Haley Mills. What a gem. Number one, you get to, you know, put yourself in that time period when it was filmed, which is so great, but there is just some really great acting there and some great pranks and stories. And you can just watch, um, what these girls learn as they are carrying on this little lie. And you can talk about love and talk about family. And I just loved that little parent trap. And it was, a, it was a <laughs> lie. They got in trouble for it. They shouldn't have done it in the end, but, but because they, they stuck their necks out, like they did, they were able to unify their parents, which was really just a beautiful thing. Yeah. If we're sticking yeah. on the oldie book, goodie track, Another one that we absolutely love and watch over and over and over is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And I think this one was originally a play as well, but oh, they, yeah, adapt- it they adapted it to a film. And oh my gosh, I love it. It's, it's back in the day. It's old enough where in order to make it into a movie, you had to be able to sing and dance all at the same time and have it look and sound good. 
Oh yeah. It was like the, everyone had all the talents, the acting, mm-hmm. the singing, the dancing, special tricks, jumping on a log. Because and there were no special a... effects. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> or if there was very, very minimal. <laughs> amazing. I love seven brides for seven brothers. Another one of our ultimate favorites, which would I say be a probably about age eight plus is Scarlet Pimpernel. Mm. We love Scarlet Pimpernel. Do you know what? I want to give you one. Maybe you've never heard of. Let me look at my list here. We have so many that you <laughs> might not have heard of the inheritance. You might not have heard of the inheritance. Very interesting love story, but also this interesting rag to rags to riches story. It's a little bit more old time. It wasn't filmed a long, long time ago. I mean, it was probably filmed, filmed early two thousands. Um, but the story itself takes place though, a long time ago, like a turn of the, you know, 1900s, like early 1900s or something. Anyway, fantastic show. I really enjoyed that. I mean, there's little Lord Fauntleroy. There's so many fun things <laughs> that maybe you haven't thought of lots of times. Some of the books that you find, you can find great movies to watch after you read the books together with your family. So yeah. But we are not going to talk about any more of those because we are going to do an entire podcast called Just Movies. Okay. It's going to (laughs) be just for the movies. And we're going to give you these lists of all of these movies, books, and games so that you have a list of everything so that you can make sure that you've got all the recommendations to start from. And then since we've shared with you some of the criteria, I'm hoping that's the most important stuff that we've shared. Actually, we've shared with you some of the criteria that you can use to make sure that you are discerning stuff that is going to match your family values, teach principles and character development, unify the family instead of make the children think that they should be working against the parents in the family you know, and not having all those cuss words and inappropriate things in there as well. So definitely check out the next parts of this podcast. So this is basically one of those podcasts that goes one of four. Yeah, it is. This is part one of four. We, we just, I realized that as we were just going through this, I'm like, there's no way we're going to be on here for hours. (laughs) So what we're going to do is we're going to make some other ones for you. And then that way you can listen to it in snippets and you can still make sure that on each of those podcasts, you get the list of each of the books and the movies and the games so that you can use them for your family as you're making choices. So anyway, thank you so much for joining us on the teaching self-government podcast be sure to go to teachingselfgovernment.com to find the PDF lists of these things, as well as so many other things that you can find there about teaching your children self-government. You know, when you tell them no to a movie or no to a book or a game, they've got to know how to accept a no answer. We've got a skill for that. It's called accepting no answers. So go find (laughs) out about that. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.